Hello, and welcome to the Canyons Are Calling podcast. It's Charles, your host for the show. Happy July. I cannot believe this year is already half over. Like, holy cow, where has the time gone? Most of you are out in the canyons. I see that, which is super awesome, and I'm jealous. However, I did get myself into a canyon on yesterday, on July 1st which felt really great for my soul. I just did Rock Canyon, which is one of my favorites and one I've done like a hundred times. So I knew that my shoulder would be able to handle it and my foot would be able to handle it and my wrist and everything. So it felt really great to get out into the canyon. I think I'm just going to focus on baby easy stuff and at least get out there until my body can get fully healed. Just working on getting this inflammation down and working on the physical therapy to strengthen my shoulder and my neck. So hopefully things will start working soon. <laughs> if you have any tips, like please reach out because this has been a really long process and I had no idea that in my 40s I would be dealing with arthritis in my whole body. So if you have any tips, let me know. <laughs> Anyway, I just want to say thank you guys so much. I just, I keep checking my stats and we just um, passed my 30,000 listens to the podcast, which is pretty incredible for a person who doesn't feel like anyone wants to listen to anything that I have to say, like to have 30,000 people or not people, but listens to the entire podcast in the two and a half years that I've been doing that I feel is pretty awesome so I have like 400 followers on Spotify and I don't really know uh, the other platforms that doesn't really tell me any of that information but I just really appreciate you guys for listening to what I have to say and for enjoying this podcast and for sharing it with your friends yeah I just really appreciate that if you love the show and wouldn't mind giving me some five-star ratings and some reviews and yeah sharing it with friends that just helps other people find out about the podcast and it is finally starting to grow which is really exciting um also i'm learning how to do instagram so i'm hoping to get a little bit better on there you can follow us on instagram it's just canyons are calling on instagram so give us a follow there i'm trying to get better i'm hoping to do a little like more reels and canyons and things like that um also i have the facebook group page which is the canyons are calling facebook group page and then also if you enjoy the show and feel like the stories are helpful and impactful to your life uh, please consider donating on Patreon. I am the sole producer, editor, researcher, and interviewer of this podcast, and it does take a lot of my time, energy, and some financial money. So um, if you enjoy the show, just consider supporting it. Uh, that's patreon.com. There's several different tiers, and with those you get stickers or bare glasses, and then also uh, the monthly canyon call which I feel are pretty fun. We just get together every the first Wednesday of every month and chat canyons. And sometimes I get guests on there and sometimes we have like a topic, like different knots, different shoes, different gear, whatever. Um, it's just a great way to get to know the community that likes to support the show. So please consider that. Um, also, I just take one-time donations either on PayPal or on Venmo. I have links to all of that in my the show notes. And if you have an idea for the show, please reach out. Um, a lot of the content that I have put out is just stories like this one today, where somebody had an, a crazy story in a canyon and they reached out and said, hey, maybe this should be on the podcast. And I feel like this one I wanted to push to the top of the list because I wanted to get it out kind of timely. This happened in uh, May 11th, and this is coming out... Um, It'll probably be the 3rd of July by the time it actually launches. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to get out the information about a mountain lion in non-Mindbender and maybe Mindbender Canyon. So be aware of that. Yeah, crazy story. Like, what is the most crazy thing you have ran into in a canyon? Like, I know I've run into a lot of dead things and, um, you know, carcasses. <laughs> one, one time in Pine Creek, I went, carcass was so full of maggots it was disgusting it looked like rice i was like oh that's moving but that was pretty gross one of the cooler things that i've ran into in a canyon was a baby spotted owl and we were kind of worried about it because it had fallen out of the nest and we weren't really sure if it would survive in the middle of this canyon 
Uh, so I told a friend of mine that works for the BLM, and she sent in the field researchers, and they discovered that there were three little babies. Two of them were still in the nest, and then the one had fallen out, but the mom was still taking care of it. And she would continue taking care of it until its wings got strong enough that it would learn to fly. And so I thought that was really cool. They also learned that the Mexican spotted owls were in that certain area, and they didn't know that they were in that area. So it was really cool for them to know that they're there. And that's a protected bird, so it's kind of nice to know that they're they're doing well. <laughs> Made my heart happy. Um, anyway, this is a crazy story about a mountain lion who had been trapped in the middle of a canyon for a couple of weeks, and it got stuck. Like, what would you do if you're in a canyon and there's a mountain lion blocking you from the last repel? Like, holy shit. <laughs> what would you do? Listen to what happened to this story. It is incredible. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, so today I'm here with Jennifer and she has a crazy story about a mountain lion in, was it non-Mindbender Canyons? Maybe Mindbender. Maybe Mindbender. Okay. There are so many Mindbenders. It's yes, there hard are. to keep them <laughs> <laughs> apart. All right. So first of all, if we can just um, talk a little bit about how you got into the outdoors and how you got into canyoneering. Okay. Um, the, how we got into canyoneering is kind of a longer story, but it does segue. But, um, basically I grew up in Colorado, so I was always out in the forest or in the mountains from a pretty young age camping and things like that. And I think just experiencing, uh, the outdoors at a young age just planted that seed for me. And I've kind of always been outside since, um, definitely doing all the Colorado things, um, so probably after high school is when I really started pursuing the outdoors more and it was more in Colorado, but going over to the desert quite a bit too since high school. And then um, in the past 10 years, we've just, me and my husband have been going more and more, like we go multiple times a year. So how we got into canyoneering is kind of, kind of a backwards way. We actually got invited on a a river trip in the Grand Canyon in 2019. Um, one of our friends scored a cancellation permit and it was kind of this last minute um, getting together of a group that could go. And uh, I'd never been whitewater rafting and I'd never been to the Grand Canyon and I'm also slightly afraid of water, but um, the opportunity landed in our lap and my husband was like, brought it up and he's like, but we can't do it. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, it feels like a once in a lifetime opportunity. Like I was pretty scared about it, but I was like, this is a once in a lifetime thing. So somehow we were able to get <clears throat> in like five weeks notice, we were able to get like enough of our ships covered and things like that to go on this trip. So we went on the trip in the Grand Canyon. I'm embarrassed to at how low on my bucket list the Grand Canyon was because it was just, it was incredible. Yeah. There's not really any real words for it, but so that kind of uh, started this kind of obsession with the Grand Canyon. And then how the long was your year, first trip into the Grand Canyon? How long was it? Yeah. Uh, it was an 18 days okay. on the river. Yeah. It was amazing. <sighs> That's so amazing. It was amazing. Um, and I was facing a lot of fears because I'm like kind of afraid of water too, but it was still just, it was just incredible. I mean, every turn was something new and magical like yeah. it just never ended so pretty obsessed with the canyon after that and the following year we got a backpacking permit to do some backpacking down in grand canyon and when we were doing our research on the route we were going to do we we did like a stretch along the tonto trail uh, we saw that at one point we would be over crystal rapid which was the only rapid that we almost got taken in um, so it was a, just a really exciting rapid. It's one of the bigger ones. And so I was like, that's so cool. We're going to be above crystal. We'll be able to see it again. And then started wondering if there was a way to get down to the rapid. And there's like a drainage there called Slate Creek or Slate Canyon. And that's what basically creates part of crystal rapid anyways. And so I was like, that'd be really cool if we could get down to river level to just like look at it from the other side. And, um, so I tried to start doing research on the internet of, Slate, anything about Slate Canyon. Um, I no canyoneering knowledge, no rope knowledge, none of that. Um, and it was just really hard to find any type of beta. There was like one thing in the 
corner of the internet somewhere where a guy was like, yeah, Slate goes, um, you know, look for this pinnacle feature. That's where you need to get into it. But it didn't really have any information on like what was in there. And so when we were backpacking, we made it over to Slate. We saw the pinnacle and we're kind of standing there like looking at it. And then we're like, this is probably stupid. Like, we don't have any idea what's down there. We don't have ropes. We weren't even like rope people at that point in time. Um, so we just kind of decided to make the wise decision of like not going down into this unknown, like, you know. And then we decided that if we ever came back, we're like, oh, we'll just like bring a rope in case we need to leave it like hanging, but still not really in the idea of like a repelling sense, just to, if we came to a feature where we would need to like hand line out basically. Gotcha. Um, so we got another backpacking permit for the Grand Canyon. I think it was like six months later. Um, and I'd actually started a new job shortly before that. So I felt a little bit, I don't know, I didn't want to ask for the time off being the new guy. Um, so we decided to just cancel that permit and we still had a like a four day stretch off. So we went out to Moab and my husband booked us a guided canyoneering trip. And that was through Desert Highlights. Okay. Um, and it was awesome. Like another fear was like, for me, was kind of heights and exposure, but I wanted to try it. And that kind of introduced us to it. Um, the caveat to that is that my husband's a firefighter. So he has a lot of rope knowledge, knots, anchors, you know, mechanical advantage type things. So he was very tuned into what the guide was doing. I was like dealing with my fears and not really, I was just like, make sure I get on my ATC right. Um, but my husband was like super <laughs> into what the guy was doing. And he was like already like chapters ahead with some of the rope work knowledge. Yeah. Um, so that, that guided trip, we did granary and it was awesome. And we were just like hooked. And so after that, uh, you know, we got more, we bought ropes, we bought a couple other things and we did a couple canyons, just he and I on our own around the Moab area and pretty quickly learned that there was a lot that, that we didn't know. And we had a couple of like near misses, like we almost got stuck a rope one time um, and we only had one rope and we still had a rappel to go. And so that was kind of one moment where we're like, oh shit, like, we don't know what we don't know and we should probably like take some classes like we were looking at rich carlson's material nice. and he my husband was really getting into like you know the mmo and contingencies and rig releasable so we were kind of starting to do some research but once we were out there there was just a couple things that it was like oh that could have been really bad yeah um so after that we took a few classes we did a technical canyoneering class uh, with Christopher Hagedorn nice. from Get in the Wild. And then we did, through him again, we did an advanced anchors and rigging class. And that was taught by Shane Wallace. And then last, the third one we took was um, like a partner in self-rescue class. We did that through Northwash with Jared and Tammy. So nice. basically that's how we got into it. And then kind of got a little bit more of those foundations beneath us just to, you know. Yeah. Those are definitely skills that you need to have or somebody in yeah. your party needs to have. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Learned so much too. So and every time we go out, we're still learning. I mean, it's like big right. and small lessons everywhere, basically. So yeah, that's, that's how that went. <laughs> nice. That's what I love about canyoneering is like every adventure teaches you something different. It's just whether mm -hmm. or not you're available to learn it. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. So let's get into the mountain lion situation. Okay. So <laughs> this was um, in April and May, we had two good stretches of time off. So we were out uh, doing canyons quite a bit. So we actually did maybe Mindbender um, two time, two weeks apart, basically. We did it for the first time and then we came back um, about two weeks later and did it again with a different set of people. Okay. So the first time we went through, um, so maybe Mindbender is five repels uh, and after the fourth repel, it, it kind of meets up with not Mindbender and then both of them share the same last repel. So the first time we went through after the fourth repel, 
I did notice mountain lion tracks and I didn't notice, know anything about freshness or not, but two weeks later, I mean, when we saw them again, they were definitely fresh. But the first time I noticed them, I could just see the print and I was like, oh, this is like definitely an animal, but it's in this weird, um, the layer that it was in is it's after the fourth repel, but before the fifth repel. And it's kind of just this wide wash that's maybe a quarter mile long, but it's just, it's surrounded by vertical walls. So it was like, how the hell did, is there a mountain lion in here? And I remember pointing them out to the guys in the group. And one of the guys was like, those aren't mountain lion tracks. And I'm like, I mean, what would they be? Like, this isn't, nobody took their dog down here. There's no way, I don't think you could take a dog down there. Um, anything like that. So right. we definitely noticed in the two weeks before, I didn't really think that much of it. Um, but I did remember them when we came back two weeks later. And the, the second time we went, it was my husband, who his name is Mike, and our friend Dan. So it was just three of us. And we got to that same point in the canyon where at, after the fourth repel, we're now in this kind of wide wash area that you, you know, walk through and then it like slots back up to the fifth repel. So after the fourth repel, um, we're walking through this wash and those, the tracks are, that were there are still there. And now there's like way more, like there a lot of trafficking going up and down this wash. Like the thing was going back and forth. And then the tracks were like, in hindsight, obviously fresh. Like I didn't really yeah. pick that on, up on that until later, but um, we're definitely noticing the tracks more. And this time I kind of definitely had more of a sense of, uh, just kind of watching over my shoulder a lot more and just wondering where this thing was. Like, it just didn't make sense because we're below the canyon rim, but we're above the canyon floor. We're in this weird kind of terrace area that it's surrounded by walls, but it's like, where does this thing stay? Like, how did it get down here? What is it doing here? How um, big are the drops between the area of where the tracks were? Um. So like at so four repels down i think the repels were like 20 feet 50 feet 66 feet and then 76 feet okay. and the leading to the fourth repel is like this um off the ground kind of stemming area too okay so but once we're in this wash i mean it's yeah. there's kind of like debris shelves on the side and like sand but all of it leads up to these like huge vertical walls like hundreds of feet high and I couldn't, you know, it, it was just walled in. The whole thing was walled in. Yeah. So we're continuing down. We're like talking about the tracks. It's funny looking at through my pictures because I'm like have pictures of like, oh, the tracks. And then we come across like part of a vertebrae and I'm like, oh, the vertebrae. And we're just kind of going through this short wide wash part to where it starts narrowing again. And so before the fifth repel, the walls kind of start narrowing and then you get to this um, basically like a crack. It's not, it's not narrow enough to stem in, but you do have to get down like into this crack. And so the first thing was Dan and Mike were ahead of me and I kind of collect rocks. And so I like was holding all these rocks and then I'm like, Oh, I got to <laughs> put these in my bag so I can get down into the crack. Cause you need like all hands and legs. Yeah. Um, and when I was bending over putting the rocks in my bag, I just got like that spooked feeling that I've had in the wilderness before of just like, you know, just another presence. And I like stood up straight and I'm like, Holy shit, packed my stuff in the bag. And then like, got down into the crack with the guys and I'm kind of like, you know, it's a narrow and it's kind of winding, you know, the path of the water, like doing that thing. Um, and now we're like deeper in it. The walls are probably like, you know, 10 feet, 15 feet above our head and we're in this crack. And I finally catch up to Mike and Dan and um, Mike turns to me and he's like, the mountain lion's right there. And I was like, what? And then he's like, the mountain lion is right there. And so the craziest part about this is we were just about to, there's a pothole that's in this narrow part and it's probably about 17 or 20 feet deep. Um, it's awkward to navigate, you know, it definitely is like a partner assist type of thing down. And Mike just so happened, he basically had his phone out at that time because he was just looking at his, the route info and like rereading what it said about the pothole and said that 
kind of just out of the corner of his eye, he just happened to see something move. And it was, and when he looked up the mountain lions, like on the other side of this pothole, looking right at him. So he actually did get a picture of it. Like he just stopped and got a picture of it. And then, but thank God we didn't get into that pothole yet because I mean, you wouldn't be able to get out of it easily, you know, especially if we weren't going to leave, you know, we weren't leaving ropes or webbing or anything because we're just going down Canyon. Right. So when he tells me that he sees the mountain lion, I look up and I see it like peek its head around this, the, like the curve in the wall. And I actually at first thought it was a baby because it just, the head seemed so small to me. But I, so I was like, oh fuck, like there's a mom around and we're going to die. Yeah. Um, but basically <laughs> we really quickly retreated to kind of give it space you know it's in the slot with us like it's in the narrow and so we all turn around and climb out of the crack and kind of like now we're kind of on top on the ledges like above this crack that the mountain lion is down in and we kind of regroup and we're like all right is there any other way that we can get out of here because we need to get through that pothole and he I'm like getting so into the story. I'm like saying it so fast. He's basically sitting at our fifth anchor and yeah. our fifth anchor is 90 feet off the ground. And okay. so behind the mountain lion is the 90 foot rappel. And he's basically surrounded by these like overhanging curving walls. So he can't go anywhere either because he has a 90 foot drop behind him. Yeah. And that drop too is slightly overhanging it at the top. Like it, it's just basically straight down with an overhang. So anyways, we get out of the canyon and, you know, the first thing we're looking for is, is there any other way out? And so we get out our topo maps and all that stuff and we're like looking and to see if there's anything that we can do. And it's like, no, like there's no other way out of here. We can't go back the way we came. We didn't leave any ropes fixed anyways. Um, and I haven't done not Mindbender Canyon, but I know there's like a 50 foot rappel in there too. I mean, and so we're basically like, I'm like, we're stuck. Like we're totally stuck we're in this pickle we need to get past him he needs to get past us um and i was just already ready i'm like we're getting rescued today like we carry a garmin in reach and i'm like we we have to call like there's no way out of this and so we're kind of thinking about what to do and then our friend dan is like well if, if there's no other way for us to get out like we have to try to spook it out of there and so we basically like the, the, so we're above the crack and it's, it's kind of curves with the Canyon. You know, we can't see down in there. We can't see where he is because the walls are curved and it's overhanging, but we kind of spread out along the crack because we wanted to have like a vantage point to see like where, if he came out, like we needed to several, we needed to be able to see in several different ways for this thing to come out. Cause it was like, is he going to come up through the crack is he gonna like jump and go another way so we just right. we spread out over the crack um which was also terrifying because i was i was on the upper canyon part of it and i was still worried that there might have been another mountain lion in the mix but i mean it was that fear was slowly diminishing because i think that a mother would have made herself known um but where i was standing there was like behind me is kind of like the ledge of debris and some sand and like some bushes. And I thought that if the thing was going to come out at all, it was going to jump up behind me. I'm trying to think of a cat and I'm like, yeah. they like to have the vantage point. They like to stalk. Like it's not, it's not going to go below us. Um, but we spread out along this crack and I felt really vulnerable there. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm trying to look down into the crack. I have to also watch behind me and I have to also watch up Canyon. Um, and thankfully, my husband at that point was like, are, are you good? And I'm like, actually, can you stand like across from me so that he could watch my back? And so his back was to the like vertical wall and we're each on a different side of the crack. And so now we're all set up to where we can see if the thing comes out at all. Yeah. And our friend Dan was closest um, towards the mountain lion and he threw like two very small in there like kind of just like threw him down into the crack like sideways and you can hear him like tinking off the wall and then um the cat kind of started chattering a little bit like the same way if you have house cats like when they see a moth or something and they like do that like chattery thing hmm. it chattered at 
at the rocks, but um, we pretty much bailed on that plan like pretty quickly. Like we weren't aggressive at all, small rocks, um, and pretty much quickly figured out that it probably wasn't going to be coming out. And I was thinking that too. I'm like, we're above it. It's below us. It's walled in. It can't see us. I was like, there's no way that this thing's coming out. Like it's not coming out. It will outweigh us. Like we're stuck. Yeah. So we got back together. We regrouped, um, started looking at kind of like our food and our water to see where we were at with that. Cause I'm like, we're going to be here a while. And then just kind of started thinking about, you know, using the inReach. And so my husband was actually thinking to text one of the guys that we went through that canyon with like two weeks before, cause he would know exactly where we were. Um, and we're sitting there talking and all of a sudden we hear this like loud thud, like echoing off the canyon walls. And just before hearing that thud, it was like, I didn't hear it at the time, but it was almost like this, like two slips, like two like slip slip sounds and then thud, like a huge thud. And we all just kind of looked at each other like, holy shit. Um, our friend Dan was like, maybe that was a rock. And I was like, there's no rocks over there. Like we were in it last week. It's just 90 foot drop sand floor in the crack. And I was like, I think that like we just killed a mountain lion and it like made my heart sink. Like hearing that noise, it was just like the thing either jumped or fell. And so we're just like staring at each other, like in disbelief about this whole predicament that we're in. And I was like, that was a mountain lion. Like the mountain lion is dead on the ground, 90 feet below. It has to be. And so we, I mean, the next part of all we could do is we, like our, Dan was like, well, you got to go in and we got to go in and see. Let's see if like, he's still there. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, like none of us wanted to go back into the crack right. at all. And right. so we walked as far above it as we could, like kind of on the ledge and because we were trying to just see if we could see in and you just really couldn't. Um, yeah. But we walked far enough along that we noticed a bush on the ledge that had just a piece of like red webbing strung from it. And I think it, I'm assuming it was there. Whoever placed it, I'm assuming was bypassing the pothole because it was past okay. the pothole feature above. So like, gotcha. So we saw the webbing and I was like, Oh, there's webbing here. Um, and we were kind of like, you know, on our bellies, like trying to peek down into the crack. Like we just couldn't see anything. And so we kind of checked the webbing. It was, I don't even know what it was really rigged to. It was like kind of around this like dinky tree, kind of around this bush thing. Um, and Mike was like, all right, you know, I'll be the one that goes back into the crack. So <laughs> we backed him up with a meat anchor with Dan and just uh, he he got on rappel and he's like leaning as far over this crack and trying to like walk along it to see if he could see down to see if the mountain line was in there. And he's like, I can't fucking see. And he's like, oh, it's, this is so scary. And we're pretty sure that it, the noise we heard is the thing jumping, but yeah. it was just terrifying. Like the whole thing was terrifying. And so yeah. he gets on rappel, he goes down into the crack. Um, Dan followed quickly behind him. I remember Dan saying something like, he's like, if you're about to, fight a cat in a three foot box. Like I need to be in there with you. So Dan went down there with it. And then they kind of walked the couple like turns and got to that, you know, 90 foot drop. And Mike's like, it's not in here. And I was like, look over the edge. Like, is it on the ground? Um, and he looks over the edge and uh, it wasn't down there either, but you could see where it landed. Wow. So now the next part of it is like, it's still not over because we still have to go down <laughs> to wherever the, the cat just cat landed. Is. Terrifying. And so I was still up on the ledge by the bush. Um, I was kind of waiting for their all clear. And then, you know, we needed to lower our packs down into the crack. And then I got down in there and I was kind of crazy because I was kind of shaky the whole time, but there was, wasn't really any time for fear all the same like I wanted to kind of be upset and I wanted to kind of be like, oh, I'm so scared. Yeah. But we're never really in any imminent danger. But the other thing was, I'm like, you need to focus. Like you still have to get down 90 feet of 
wall and like get on the rope correctly and just like no time for fear. Uh, worry about it later. So we got to the anchor, rigged the thing. And then Dan, Dan then was the first one that went over, which was like, oh my God, like, let us know, I guess, if you run into a mountain lion down there, there's nothing we can do about it. So he got down there and, um, I mean, the mountain lion's nowhere to be seen at this point. And then all of us ended up getting down there. So yeah, so you could see where it landed. Uh, it definitely landed on all fours. And it probably, like, I imagine, like, hit its chest wall on the ground because there was kind of, like, this indentation. But you could, like, tell where the four feet were. There's kind of these claw marks. And then I couldn't tell where it went from there. Like, the guys thought they saw prints that went up into, it, again, it was more of just this, like, debris, like, at the bottom of these, like, sheer walls. But, and a bunch of bushes up there. And I know the thing was in there watching us. And it was terrifying. So, but... And didn't make himself known. I couldn't see where the tracks were. And then, but we're still in this like corner of this canyon um, with quite a ways to go out and around this corner. Like we're boxed in there too. And it was just daunting. Like, cause the thing was in the bushes. Like yeah. it was in there, it was watching us. We know that it was, it was probably hurt, I imagine. Right. Um, so we just wow. gathered our thing quickly and like scurried out of there. And I just kept looking over my shoulder the whole time just, I don't know. It was terrifying. <laughs> so, yeah, I can't imagine like, this is the second story I've heard about a mountain lion in a canyon. And yeah, yeah, just everything, um, the precise location of, you know, I mean, we were just so boxed in with it for a second and thank God the pothole was somewhat separating us. But if we'd gotten yeah. into the pothole, like it would have been a way different situation because then we really would have been cornered. I don't know, just the whole thing. And of all yeah. the options running through my head of how we were going to get out of that situation, I never thought that the thing was going to jump. Like, I'm like, I know they're afraid of us, but I didn't think it was that afraid. Right. It's just 90 feet is a long way. And I'm the sound alone, I'll never forget that sound of him hitting. Yeah. Like, and it, I mean, my heart sank when I heard that noise, you know, right. and I know, I mean, and Dan was like, that is the best possible outcome <laughs> this whole right. thing. And I'm like, I, I get it. Like, I'm glad, but I feel so terrible. That like from there, that would the cat be able to go down Canyon eventually and get out if it were not like internally bleeding from hitting its chest on the ground yeah or... well and that's why i was like maybe maybe in some weird way we saved its life because i definitely think it was stuck up in stuck that layer in between there. there yeah um, and water was probably going to be an issue soon and there was definitely wasn't really a food source like it's just this right you know just layer of canyon um so yeah if it wasn't i hope they have nine lives um if it wasn't hurt it, it would have been able to get out of there and with plenty of, you know, now it's on the canyon floor. Yeah. But I definitely think it was up in the bushes. I mean, there were no tracks going out of that. Down corner. the canyon? Like, it was up yeah. there watching us leave, which was wow. such a crazy feeling. It's nuts. I can't imagine. It's wild. Yeah. I haven't stopped thinking about it because it's just so. Because that was just a couple of weeks ago. Like this, I'm recording this. No, it's May 11th. Yeah, and we're recording June 27th, so month and a half, two months yeah. almost. Yeah. Dang. And I didn't know. I didn't know to, you know, one of my friends was like, oh, should you call the Division of Wildlife and tell them? And I'm like, I don't know. But I started looking up on Utah's, like, Division of Wildlife pages, and it was kind of like, don't report sightings of a mountain lion, like, unless, you know, it was more talking about in, like, a neighborhood sense. But yeah. it was kind of like, but then I was like, I don't know, does someone need to go and check? I don't know. Like, I don't know. Check on it. Yeah. See if it's. I feel like posting stuff like it. this in canyoneering forums specifically would be good just so that if he's still there in the area, like canyoneers would be able to know. But I worry that like the sheriff would go in and just like shoot it for no reason. Or, yeah. like, re I don't know, relocate it, which is 
good for the community, but I don't know. Like, if it's not yeah. aggressive, it deserves to be in its home. It definitely wasn't aggressive. I and mean, if people like, are aware that it's there, then they can either choose to go in with the cat or not go in with the cat. But just knowing that. I never followed up on it, honestly. Um, yeah. Interesting. I so I wonder if anyone in the community has done that canyon and seen wild, you know, mountain lion tracks since May. Well, we um, I looked on Road Trip Ryan, um, and there was a comment after. Yeah, it was after the first time we went through, and before the second time, and the people were like, "There are definitely fresh tracks in here." In and that middle section where that. you guys were at. Yeah. And it, in okay. that and that, those people I think did not mind bender, but it feeds into that same wash. Gotcha. So my husband left a comment and was like, What's that? But we didn't like tell anyone, like and then it jumped ninety <laughs> it feet. Jumped ninety feet to its and exit or something. Eight lives left and is still <laughs> gone from the canyon. Yeah. Wow. I can't imagine. It was it was wild. Uh my husband got an excellent picture please send that to me so i can post it with your crouch and it's so hard to explain like the feature that we were in i'm like no we didn't just see a mountain lion like scurry across like we were in the narrow right with it and no way out for anyone involved i'm just imagine this super twisty sandstone where it's just like yeah. yeah, you have and to. And it was back looking up. like my, my our friend Dan actually caught like a tiny video of it too, and I'll ask him if I can have it because that'd be cool. It's kind of hard to tell, but you can tell that he's looking. He's looking up and he's looking all around for a way out, and there's no way out. It's he's probably as scared of you guys as you are of him. Oh, I know, I know. Oh, that's crazy. Let's yeah. I mean, and then the exit after that, the exit's kind of a little bit spicy, um, which that's like. I felt like the most nerve wracking until the lion was the most nerve wracking part of that canyon. I'm like, oh, that damn exit. But after that, I was like, what? Like, I guess <laughs> we just smell a lion. So is he stalking you know? us through this whole exit? Yeah, just, yeah, I was like, I just wanted out. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. The places we go. <laughs> I was like, they did not prepare us for this in the classes (laughs) no that's one thing i have not learned yeah i mean the Mm -hmm. first story i heard it was a guy and his son they were going through dead eyed dick canyon and they saw some fresh tracks and he knew because he's a guide and stuff and so he knew like how to tell how i wonder if i can get him on so he could teach us all like how to know how fresh tracks are right because there's like a little cup that happens and so if the cup is like a certain way it's like a suction cup type thing right and so you can tell it's like a certain way but then as the wind kind of weathers it down you can tell that the track's older and older and older but i'm totally not an expert on this so i should probably try to get somebody on who is anyway he was oops sorry yeah this guy was like teaching his son how you can tell how fresh the track was And that this track that they saw was particularly super fresh. And they mosey on down the canyon a little bit and they have to go under a log jam. And then he looks up into the face of the mountain lion. And I'm like, he's got a 10 year old kid with him. Like after you shit your pants, what do you do? Right. Yes. Um, But there he was in an open area where he could just make himself big, make a lot of noise. The cat would run one way. He could go the other you guys are completely trapped in a narrow, twisty slot canyon where neither of you have a way to go to get away mm-hmm. from each other. So it's, yeah, it's that's a that 90 foot drop. That's crazy. It's the real crux of the problem. Um, in hindsight, the tracks were definitely from both trips were different. Like the first time they were just a little bit blown over and it was hard to tell what it was, but you could, it was an obvious print and a pattern and a, line you know this was like this is a track of an animal and then the i'll send you the pictures too because i took some of the pictures of the tracks the day that we met the lion and in hindsight or anyone's probably gonna be like oh yeah dummy those were fresh yeah you guys were walking right along them but (laughs) there was really one way out anyways so right so what choice did um, you have there was no choice it didn't occur to me that we were about to come face to face with the thing but uh 
yeah, there is a different, de definite difference in the, the track appearance from those two trips. Yeah, that would be really cool to see. Yeah, I'll send them to you. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I don't even know, like, what did you guys learn from the situation? What could you teach us from this? I have no idea. I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I was definitely worried that, you know, I don't know, people would give us criticism for how we tried to handle it. But I, I really feel like we were, you know, immediately recognized to give it space, to back away, to, we were not aggressive. You know, it was definitely a pickle that all of us were in. Um, and I think I'm still processing the whole thing just almost like a, not to sound hippy dippy, but on a spiritual level too, because it's just, you know, these are like these magical elusive creatures and yeah. you know, just face to face. So um, I definitely had, did not expect it to jump. Like I thought that the lion was going to win, you know, basically in the standoff. I didn't think that that was going to happen. So I think I've been thinking on that a little bit of like, wow, they really are that afraid of us and or I mean he was outnumbered but you know I, I don't know I don't really know much about mountain lions but it, it you know I've been very aware of them growing up in Colorado and I've never encountered one I've definitely felt watched a few times in my life but certainly never thought I would run into one in a desert and then also like in a slot right but I don't know what the learning would be um I mean, I feel like you guys did what you needed to do to give it space. Like, yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't think I would do anything. Yeah, different. I don't know what else differently we really could have done. Yeah, um, I definitely thought we were getting rescued. I was like, "This is a legit rescue. <laughs> like, we're not injured, but like, we are really stuck." Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, because so. if you keep trying to go forward he might attack if he comes back and tries to get out of the slot he might attack yeah i could totally well, and, and when we thought about waiting it out i'm like we can't wait like because we can't shift sneeze adjust like anytime that it hears us it's going to restart the clock is what i imagine i don't know right yeah but i'm like it's going to outweigh us like he is not coming out like we are stuck <laughs> yeah right wow that's such an incredible story i'm glad it as worked well. out as well as it did for me everybody too. i hope it's okay yeah me too i don't know but yeah if anyone's done maybe mind bender really recently or not mind bender yeah. and anyone want to go check up in the <laughs> nose about bush and see if there's a oh. lion carcass up there wow yeah yeah i hope it's okay me too. That's an area I have not yet canyoned, which is crazy. I need to get out there. What's that? That's an area that I have not yet canyoned, which is crazy. It's cool. Yeah. It's awesome. It's incredible. What's nuts is yeah. my first canyoneering book I ever bought like 12 years ago was Steve Allen's Canyoneering in the Swell. And that's the area mm -hmm. that I have not been, the Swell and the Roost. It's stupid. It's so there's close, a, but it's so far. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a ton, so... Yeah. Plenty of time. Won't get bored. For sure. All right. Well, um, I have a few questions that I like to ask everybody at the end of okay. my podcast. Canyoneering makes me super hungry. What is your favorite in Canyon Snack? In Canyon Snack, there's two. Um, we found this like Tex-Mex trail mix that's really good. It kind of has some spiciness and saltiness especially the sesame sticks in it. Mm. And then our other favorite thing is um, sour gummy worms, but not, but they, the Kroger brand is the best, but they're freaking awesome. They're sour and sweet. Nice. So those are always good for morale. <laughs> so I don't eat a lot of candy, candy, but I assume that all gummies would be the same. They're not. No, these ones, uh, well, I mean, have to I just think the Kroger brand's better. I, I have no merit, or I don't know what my measurement for what why they're better, but they're just so good. But they're good because they're salty and sweet. Yeah. So That's always a nice combination. Yeah. Yeah. How about your favorite After Canyon beverage? Um, 
well, I mean, water is always good, but we really enjoy Moscow mules that come in a can. So we'll usually have one of those. I've had one of those and it was actually really good. They're very, they're very good. They go down really easy, but they're good. Or like a Pacifico, you know. Nice. Yeah. Uh, What is an essential piece of gear that you carry with you? Um, I would say I really enjoy the VT a lot. It has a lot of uses. And then, um, the Petzl basic I've been, you know, use it a lot, but it's just, it's really awesome to have. So those two pieces. Nice. I don't have a basic, but they are awesome when I see people mm-hmm. using them, but yeah. especially cause is that the one that stops if you like take your hand off or is that a different one? It does have a biting feature. Like, so you could slide it up. Yeah. And, you know, like you'd use it to like a project, like a process catcher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And then so that like combined with the micro traction right. to a sender rope, I feel really cool when I'm doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is so I switched to the curl, which I kind of like. It's more a caving style, but it's probably okay. the same same type of system. Hmm. I feel like the curl is just a tiny bit smaller than the basic, but you can also repel from the basic, right? Or not? Is it only ascending? I I should know think, this. No, no, you can't repel from it. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I should know this, but I'm kind of no, stupid. No, I mean, you use what you use, you know. Right. <laughs> That's why everyone needs to get efficient with what they use. And then I know like the classes were interesting in that way. Cause it was like very many different ways to do the same, the thing. same thing. And exactly. Then, but first it was overwhelming. Cause I'm like, Oh, like trying to pack all this information in. And then I'm like, Oh, like you kind of find what works for you. Mm-hmm. It's good to know a couple of alternatives in case you're in, you know, a jam, but um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even being in this sport for 12 years, like there's a lot that I don't know. And then, a lot that I do so yeah <laughs> it's fun it's always evolving too and I feel like new things are coming out like the nano traction and stuff like yeah. that which yeah like I said there's things. something every time we go there's like some takeaway yeah that just makes us more somebody has a new toy that you're like what is that yeah. how does that work yeah. I gotta get one yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the takeaway from the lion is but have you researched like you brought up like spirituality or whatever have you researched like what a bobcat's um spirit animal means um i got a i actually have a book that kind of talks about things like that okay and i did read it and i can't entirely remember what it said um it was kind of about like holding your own and leadership and like stoicness you know but Uh, huh yeah I know I see a lot of hummingbirds lately, so I was like, "What does that mean for me?" I'll look, I'll look it up for you. I guarantee that's in there. Yeah, I've I've yeah. researched it a little bit, and it's kind of like a transitional, but yeah, be strong and like mm-hmm. go with the flow, kind of good I luck, kind of thing. Whatever I read about the mountain lion, I was like, "Oh, this is so." It means yeah, like, fitting up. to also other things that are, were going on in my life at the same time. I was like, "This is strange," but. Yeah, that's awesome. I know not everyone thinks that way about things like that, but I I do. (laughs) (laughs) I do too. Yeah, like (laughs) teach their own, but the universe talks in different ways for sure. Exactly. Yeah. So, on that note, what has canyoneering brought to your life? How has it changed it? Um. Well, I mean, it's me. I love the desert, and so it's amazing to. Well, I, I call it wandering around in the desert. And then when you get to a point that you can't go farther, just get on your rope and go. It's not exactly wandering, but... It um, is, though. <laughs> I think for me, because it was, there was an element of facing some fears with it. Like, I do have a fear of heights and kind of exposure. And um, and I kind of like to face fears. Like, same with the river trip through the Grand Canyon. But fear is interesting in that way that it's like that stupid quote, like feel the fear and do it anyways. I just feel like when you face your fears and 
you just learn so much about yourself and what you're capable of and for sure um, but other than that it's it's pretty amazing to be in these places that you know are I mean, probably more and more seen, but very many of the places we end up in canyons are seldom seen or you can't get there by any easy means. And it just feels pretty special, you know? Yeah, for sure. Only the bold that are brave enough to get there. (laughs) For sure. All right. Do you have any safety advice you'd like to leave our listeners with before we say goodbye? Um, One thing that, one thing that we've kind of learned is, you know, it's really good to have like the the route beta and kind of like info on what's going to be in a canyon. But somewhere along the lines, we also learned to not make the canyon fit the beta. So there would be like a couple times where yeah. we'd think that we were at the feature that the route talked about. And this was actually another thing that we learned, you know, like we thought we'd be at the feature that was explained in the route. And then we realized later that we weren't. But like, had we continued on as if like, oh, well, we passed that feature and now the next thing we're going to encounter is this, we actually would have kind of gotten into trouble. So we try to approach every canyon as if there is no information about it, even though we do read up on them and kind of learn what to expect. But also in the sense that they're just, they change with every storm and things like that. So you can't really count on the beta that much and still just deal with what's in front of you and be wise and and yeah like just try not to make the canyon fit what you read yeah if that makes sense a hundred percent like one one thing that i learned early on is that the reason it's called beta is because it's always changing like with the oh, storms okay. and whatever that's why it's not like a, you know trip information or whatever um yeah. and then also like yeah if reality differs from the beta 100 percent use reality so if you right. think like beta says the repels a hundred feet, but now it might be one twenty because a flash flood came through and washed a bunch of sand out, mm-hmm. like don't set it a hundred feet, set it to the bottom. <laughs> like yeah, that yeah, that's that's really good information. I like that, well said. Yeah. I can't remember how we came to that because it was something like there was a twenty foot repel, and we came to what we thought, and it was followed by like a sixty six foot repel in whatever canyon we were in. But we got to an area that was actually seemed like the 20 foot rappel, but you could actually down climb it too. But this was like, we were still kind of newer, so we weren't as good at down climbing things or realizing, you know, the way. Yeah. Um, and just thinking like, oh, this is a 20 foot rappel. So the next one is this many feet. And I wish I remember the details better, but it was there's something about the back to backness of the rappels that we almost mismeasured our rope because you couldn't see the ground and i don't know so that was our takeaway is like oh yeah you know we made that 20 foot thing be the repel and it wasn't it wasn't and so Uh, yeah i also like i did granary canyon and we were going to do upper granary and lower granary but we didn't go up over this ridge to lower granary like you're supposed to i guess we continued down the wash like in utah or like in zion area if you're doing an upper and lower canyon (laughs) you just stay in the same wash Mm -hmm. and so we got to what was supposed to be the first rappel in lower granary but it did not meet meet the beta yeah it was completely different and so we're trying to do some research a friend of ours sets the rope and rappels down Another friend was able to actually get service and call a guy who had done the canyon before, and he was like, you're not in the right spot. And what we had looked at on the map looked like a really big drop at the very end, and we didn't have that much rope. We had, I don't know, like maybe 200 feet of rope, and Mm -hmm. we didn't know what the big drop at the end was going to be. And so we told our friend to come back up. And he kind of fought us for a minute and he was like, this canyon goes. And we're like, we know it goes. We can see that on the Gaia, but it looks like a really big drop. And I have heard that people get in that situation and that drop is like 300 feet and they end up needing rescue because somehow, and I don't know if it's like the Moab book that I had or if it was Road Trip Ryan Beta, but somehow they need to get the information out that you need to like transition over to another area in order to do lower granary. Because we ended up just going back to our top car and not doing the lower mm-hmm. section. Um, 
but yeah, had we kept going and not called our friend and not like check the beta, we would have had to get rescued too. And that's kind of crazy. So also like, yeah, deal with the Canyon in real time, but also like, also, I was just going to say, check well, ahead a little bit for why you should know. Yeah, you know, the info. I mean, we, we always try to do the re we always do the research on what we're going through. But yeah, like somehow we just missed that back a little ways we were supposed to like turn right or something. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we learned and we're still here. Yeah. 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 Crazy. Well, I don't know if you want people to reach out to you or if you just want to stay kind of anonymous. Um how do you feel? Oh, I don't care. Um, I'll have to send you that picture for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not really on Facebook. I'm on okay. Instagram though. I don't mind if you share it. Okay. What's your Instagram? Um, it's Zen Ascent. I always think it's always been Zen Ascent. I'm like, no, it should be Zen Descent. But um, <laughs> were you a climber before you got into canyoneering? No, but I think it was like from doing like the mountaineering. I like gotcha. A lot of this Colorado was yeah. the ascent part. Gotcha. And now I'm like, eh, like I want to go down there. <laughs> um, yeah, it's awesome. ascent at G uh, no, not at Gmail. It's just Zen ascent. So it's Z E N N ascent on I'll Instagram. I'll have the link in there for you. So if okay. anyone wants to yeah. reach out and ask yeah. questions or just say congratulations on outrunning a mountain lion, that's yeah. fucking crazy. I know. <laughs> telling me how what we did wrong <laughs> i don't feel like you did anything wrong like i don't understand I don't like i can't think of anything that i would have done differently honestly except i probably would have yeah. pooped my pants maybe i would have pooped in the rest yeah. stop i don't know i wanted to oh my gosh that whole time i had to pee like i had to pee for a long time and i was like oh, i'll just pee after the last repel and then obviously that delayed us a bit and by the time i got down <laughs> and I had to pee, which was also terrifying. Cause, right, because he's in the tree like, somewhere. Yeah, because I'm like, oh, like I'm have my ass out and my and back <laughs> oh, to the line and I'm peeing. And like, you know, it's like not easy to pee as no. a girl canyoneering. No, it's not. It's like, drop, drop, drop. You know, it's like a whole thing. Yeah. But I had to pee so bad. And I'm like, oh my god, I feel so vulnerable. <laughs> That's crazy. Anyway, I got to pee now, and the canyons are calling, so we should probably go. All right. Cool. <laughs> Thanks for sharing your story. Yeah. Have a good night. Okay, well, what an incredible story. Like, what would you have done in that situation? If any of you have been into maybe or non-Mindbender Canyon and have seen evidence of the cat still there or hopefully not a dead carcass, that would be a worst case scenario. Uh, my husband used to be a hunter, like, 15 years ago and he says that he has seen cats jump like 100 feet and just bounce and continue running so we are hopeful that this cat still has at least eight of its nine lives left and that it's just thriving and was finally able to get pushed out of the canyon so it's not stuck there anymore uh ultimately that would be the best case scenario for everybody uh, but yeah, if you know, if you've seen any evidence, if you've done that canyon, yeah, reach out and let us know. It would be kind of cool to have some closure on this story. Um, and if you have any crazy stories like this, if you, you know, run into cool animals in the canyon, let us know. Like, reach out at thecanyonsarecalling at gmail.com and we'll get your story on the show. I'm also looking for stories for flash floods and near misses. So if you have any of those stories, I'd love to get those in on that little mini series that I'm going to do. Um, I've got some cool stories coming up just to kind of keep us aware and out of situations. Because sometimes when you go in not expecting a lot of rain, 10%, 20%, it actually does rain. Bad things happen. So I just want to keep people a little bit more aware of what happens in the Utah monsoon season. And I'd love for you to share your story. That would be super awesome. And then again, I also just wanted to mention the Facebook groups and the Instagram group. Facebook is The Canyons Are Calling. Instagram is Canyons Are Calling. Like I said earlier, I'm going to try to get a little more active on there. I've had some friends kind of teach me some pointers. And I'm going to give it a go. So we'll see what happens. 
and also reach out at thecanyonsarecalling at gmail.com. You can get yourself some beer glasses and stickers at thecanyonsarecalling.com. And if you'd like to make some donations on that Patreon and join us on our monthly Canyon Chats, that's patreon.com slash thecanyonsarecalling. I'm on my way to float down the river today. Just have a relaxing day with some friends and enjoy some cold water on a 100 degree day. So yeah, today the river's calling. I gotta go.